Welcome back to Seen and Heard. Today we have on Paul Souza, WUD's Director of Regulatory Affairs, and we're talking methane. Let's jump into it. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com slash agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com. Hi, Paul. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So today we have methane on the agenda. What do you have for us this week? Yeah, uh, with uh, COP28 uh, happening here and just getting started, I think we're going to be hearing a lot about this topic. Uh, It's been kind of a common topic. Uh, I think we're going to be hearing about its connection to livestock and emission reduction efforts. Uh, Methane is also known as natural gas. Um, Many of us use it to cook and heat our homes. Uh, so it's uh, you know something that we're a lot of us are used to, and uh, it's been around for a long time as an energy source uh, to help us with our lives. Um, methane is a greenhouse gas, and it's specifically a, a short-lived climate pollutant. Uh, that means that in the atmosphere, it's more potent than carbon dioxide, which is the most common greenhouse gas, but it has a much shorter lifespan uh, in the atmosphere. And what this means is it's kind of interesting that... Uh, Reductions in methane have a more immediate, although short-lived, uh, climate benefit. And so some folks are focusing on uh, quickly reducing methane emissions to get a more immediate climate response. Um, and methane emissions in livestock have and will continue to be a significant focus. I think we're going to see a lot of that coming out of um, this meeting that's uh, happening right now. Um, and I think it's important to have some perspectives here. Uh, Agriculture accounts for about 9% of California's greenhouse gas emissions, uh, and livestock contributes about one half of that. So about 4 to 5% that that livestock contributes to California's total greenhouse gas emissions. However, livestock's emissions are primarily made up of methane. uh, And that's, you know, that's in a kind of an interesting uh, dynamic, uh, carbon dioxide being the most common greenhouse gas, but in livestock, methane is our most common greenhouse gas. So in the media, we hear a lot about how livestock makes livestock methane makes up the most uh, methane emissions in the state. Is that true? Or what is there a bigger picture to this? 
Yeah, there's a bigger picture. They're kind of cherry picking some numbers. And so, you know, I just went over livestock numbers are, you know, four to five percent. But that methane contribution, uh, livestock contributes over half of the state's methane emissions. And so uh, most of the time, uh, media is going to tend to focus on that. You know, you'll hear this larger number, this 45 to 55 percent number. Uh, right. Yeah. But it's not really in perspective uh, in the state's greenhouse gas inventory. Transportation is 38 percent and industrial is 38% of the total greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and so it's important that, you know, when you're looking at this, that you do prioritize things correctly. Uh, otherwise it can lead to prioritizing the wrong solutions uh, here in California. They also look at uh, global livestock uh, emission numbers for greenhouse gas emissions, which are larger than California's. But we live in a very energy intensive society. Uh, we all have cars, we all drive, we heat our homes and cool our homes. Um, it making that livestock is a smaller proportion than in other places in society where, you know, they don't have as much of that and livestock is a bigger, uh, has a bigger role in their society. Uh, and there's just not many things to compete with livestock. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And then methane emissions from California dairy cows are about evenly split between manure emissions. Uh, and these emissions come from manure when it decomposes in an anaerobic environment. So like in a pond, uh, where manure is stored with water. And the other one is enteric emissions that come from rumen fermentation um, and are burped by the cow. Uh, most of that comes from their mouth directly from the rumen. So there's a lot of discussion on enteric emissions right now. Um, UC Davis held a state of the science summit uh, this year entitled Feed Strategies to Reduce Enteric Emissions. Uh, they're going to be holding another one in 2024. I did attend the one this year. Uh, it was impressive. There were people from all over the world, uh, from Europe, uh, Canada, the East Coast. Uh, anybody that's an expert in uh, enteric emissions or has an interest in enteric emissions, uh, it seems, was there. So it's really interesting to see, um, you know, these folks come together. But what it shows to me is that there's a lot of interest in, um, you know, doing something about enteric emissions. Okay. Awesome. So let's shift over to manure emissions. Uh, what progress have California dairy families made? Yeah, it's just been incredible. Uh, over the last five to 10 years, the reductions that we've seen uh, in reducing and capturing methane emissions with the help of policies uh, put in place by the state. Um, you know, for example, this has been done by digesters uh, that capture methane and then use it as a renewable energy to displace fossil fuels. And it continues to be amazing to me that um, one of the co-products of producing the, the great nutritious food products that we do is that it also produces renewable energy uh, that can be used for transportation in the state, offsetting um, fossil fuel emissions. Isn't uh, that incredible? Yes, uh, you know you, the food that we need. We, we we have to have food. We know we need this nutrition uh, for our children. You know, it's a source of calcium, source of protein. Uh, a source of so many other nutrients that milk is. And as a co-product of that, um, you know, we can use less diesel in the state because we're taking um, that co-product um, of renewable natural gas and using that to, you know, fuel buses and trucks uh, in the state, uh, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and also reducing uh, human health caused emissions because uh, natural gas vehicles are much, much cleaner than diesel vehicles in that sense uh, of the human health impacts. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that is an area uh, that the general public doesn't quite know about. I, I don't think we talk about 
those benefits and, and what we've done so far with natural gas. So it's, yeah. it's really impressive. Yeah. And you actually hear the opposite. I mean, you'll have um, environmental justice folks uh, talking about how uh, digesters negatively impact air quality, which is, you know, not at all the case, uh, you know, from the science perspective. Um, and so, yeah, there's a huge benefit to climate change and greenhouse gas emissions that you're capturing them um, and reducing fossil fuel use. And then that transition, you know, we were taking trucks and buses that were burning diesel before are now using uh, renewable natural gas. Uh, and so other emissions like oxides of nitrogens, ozone, uh, and things like that are reduced because of that transition also. Uh, a win-win, really. Awesome. So on this topic, um, CDFA recently announced awards for alternative manure management programs. Can you give us the rundown? Yeah, sure. Uh, some uh, dairies got a uh, really happy Thanksgiving. Uh, as on the week of Thanksgiving, CDFA announced uh, the winners of those awards uh, that had applied for the Alternative Manure Management Program, or AMP, uh, and a new program, Dairy Plus. Um, the awards for digesters and the Dairy Plus projects associated with them are expected soon. Um, CDFA split those up and are doing those separately. So 21, approximately $21 million was awarded to 31 AMP projects for solid manure separation, uh, compost bedded pack barns, and conversion from flush to scrape projects. And approximately 14 million was awarded to 12 Dairy Plus projects associated with the AMP um, for vermifiltration, uh, weeping wool separation, and advanced solid liquid separation assisted by flocculants. And as a reminder, I, I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, but Dairy Plus uh, is a new program. This is the first round of Dairy Plus. It is a partnership between the California Dairy Research Foundation and CDFA on a USDA Climate Smart Commodities grant um, that they got. Uh, these projects are required to benefit water quality in addition to reducing methane emissions. And they do this, uh, for example, in the case of vermifiltration by uh, denitrifying the nitrogen in the flush water uh, into harmless nitrogen gas that makes up about 80% of the atmosphere, or in other cases, separating out the fine solids from the flush water uh, where most of the nutrients are, and then it makes them uh, more available to put them on a truck and get them exported off of the dairy, for example, as compost uh, and the soil health benefits that that has. So um, that manure isn't going into uh, ponds and in an anaerobic environment where it's decomposing into methane and the nutrients aren't going there either. So it's managing both of those uh, with one technology. Uh, Kyle and I uh, worked with several of the successful applicants uh, to complete their applications. And so I've been working with those folks as they transition from the application into uh, implementation and you know some really happy folks to uh, get some things done on their dairies uh, to improve their dairies. That's awesome. So now what, how many projects has the DFA funded total up, up to this point? Yeah, sure. So with this round uh, that have, was recently announced of AMP, that makes 172 AMP projects that have been awarded. Uh, and CDFA has funded over 120 digesters, but that does not include, um, they should be making an announcement uh, sometime in this December, um, which will add to that number. And so it will be even higher. Um, wow. Okay. It, it's not just CDFA that's funding these. There's you know funding coming from other sources also. Uh, and so again, uh, you know, with these that we're talking about and, you know, other projects that are being done, um, you know, by dairymen themselves or with other sources of funding, um, it, it's just, you know, tremendous progress has been made in reducing uh, the carbon footprint uh, 
of a glass of milk. Uh, this comes on top of the continuous progress that we've made over the last 50 years. Recently, the California Dairy Research Foundation released a uh, paper or published a paper um, that shows that California dairy industry has reduced the greenhouse gas emissions per unit of milk by 45% over the last 50 years. And then that doesn't include, you know, the recent things with digesters. So just really some uh, incredible uh, progress. But life is not all peaches and cream, unfortunately. Uh, and this uh, incredible progress towards becoming sustainable is not welcomed by all. Uh, Anti-dairy activists and uh, those who are closely aligned with some environmental justice groups are not happy about this and are attempting to derail our progress. And I think we're going to see some of those stories coming out during uh, COP28. Uh, one of those examples is that recently the state released a proposal uh, to revise the low carbon fuel standard to exclude dairy digesters from being able to participate uh, in the low carbon fuel standard or LCFS as it's known uh, in the future due to environmental justice pressure. Um, this program provides credits to renewable transportation fuels that reduce the state's uh, carbon intensity of transportation fuels uh, and has been one of the state's leading successes in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, dairy has contributed to this effort. It's not been all, it's only been a, a part, uh, but now it seems that that's in jeopardy due to uh, environmental justice efforts. And so uh, this revision is not final. Um, it's just a, a proposal or a draft and uh, what is engaged to try to um, ensure that more reasonable outcomes prevail and outcomes that are interestingly in line with uh, the governor's and the Air Resources Board's goals uh, for reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions, because this proposal would actually uh, unwind some of those efforts by the state um, to uh, move ahead with reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Now, was there a timeline on this proposal, or are we expecting to see some sort of um, announcement or decision made anytime soon, or is this kind of just something that we're monitoring um, over time? So another draft should be coming out. They uh, put out an initial draft uh, earlier this year, and they're supposed to be coming out uh, with a uh, proposed draft, a second version of that uh, here anytime now, probably in this month. Um, but it, that may end up being later. So, you know, a draft for consideration and, a you know, discussion and comments and adoption. So, it, you know, nothing is set in stone yet. Um, it was just a very early draft of here's what we're thinking. Uh, and there is the possibility still um, to, you know, get some changes made in that and, you know, take public comments. And um, I think we have a good argument because, um, you know, we're basically in line with the governor's and the Air Resources Board's uh, goals on reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, with what we're proposing. Like, you know, this has worked well, you know, keep going with it. Don't give up on something that has worked so well to help the state achieve um, its goals on greenhouse gas emissions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So we'll keep an eye on this and I'm sure we'll have it an update uh, in one of our newsletters coming up. Yep. All right. So uh, you had mentioned that there is there are other funding resources out there. So um, if a producer missed out on the app money, what other options do they have? Is there other sources of funding out there? Where where can they go to help achieve sustainability on the dairy? Yep. Uh you know, more funding than I have seen uh, in my time at Western. I mean, it's just incredible how much uh, grant funding there is out there to help dairies uh, modernize their dairies and prepare for the future. So one of those is the Natural Resources Conservation Service or NRCS. Uh, they've been a longtime partner uh, offering, um, you know, traditional equip funding from the Farm Bill. Um, but they recently also got funding from the 
um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And this year, they're going to have $12 million available for uh, climate smart agriculture uh, from the Inflation Reduction Act for uh, California farmers this fiscal year this uh, of the federal government. Um, originally, when they came out, they only have two practices under that list. It has to be climate smart agriculture practices. And it was only for digesters and manure separators. Uh, I made a comment at a, an NRCS meeting earlier this year, uh, and I just attended one recently, that they had added a couple of new practices uh, as climate smart agriculture pro uh, practices. And those are the new ones, um, funding for compost facilities, uh, compost bedded pack barns, uh, and feed management to reduce enteric emissions. So um, there's great. You know, new practices and new uh, sources of funding within NRCS, a traditional um, funding source for California farms and dairies. Uh, and so that's one, you know, that's kind of traditional, but also has some new funding. CDFA mm -hmm. also has another round of funding coming up uh, in the first half of 2024 for AMP Digesters and Dairy Plus. So they just made an announcement on uh, the last round, but there's another round coming up, as you said, if they missed it, uh, or if they submitted an application and were not funded, there's an opportunity to to submit again uh, in early 2024. I would say it's important um, as a dairy is considering this to look at the big picture on their dairy. What do you need to address and especially consider water quality issues? Uh, I've also talked on the podcast, we're gonna see some changes uh, in how water quality is regulated. And so as you're looking at your dairy and what you need on your dairy, uh, be looking at projects that are gonna help position you in the future for uh, greenhouse gas emissions and methane but also with the same project, and a lot of these do double duty, uh, also addressing water quality projects. Uh, if you're interested in putting this funding to work for your dairy, uh, please let us know. I am putting together a list uh, of dairies that I'm working with. At some point, you know, I get saturated and that's all I can handle. Uh, I've got Kyle helping me out uh, at WUD, and so our capacity is a little bit bigger. But uh, I do take those dairies that have let me know that they're interested, uh, put them on a list. Uh, and when, like I said, I'm, you know, when I can't handle anymore, I make a cutoff and, and build health dairies beyond that point. So uh, if you're interested, uh, give me a call, email me, reach out um, to get on that list uh, so we can uh, get an application in for you. Uh, as a technical service provider with CDFA, uh, I help dairies with their applications to uh, the AMP and uh, Dairy Plus program. And so I would be happy to help you uh, get an application and to be one of those happy dairymen that's calling me uh, the week of Thanksgiving, you know, and thanking me so much for um, helping me with their application and helping me to, you know, help improve and modernize their dairy. So, okay, uh, we know more ant money is coming. Uh, is it too early to start planning for the application process, even though it isn't open? Like how, it, I, with the holidays coming up, we know, you know, it's probably not on the forefront of some people's mind. Is it should we give you a call now? What what does yeah. that timeline look like? I, I would say the call to get on the list. I would do that, you know, as soon as possible. Um, you know, my list is not filling up yet, but you know, even during the holidays, just to hey, I'm interested in this uh, would be good. But then a very important piece, and you know, maybe this starts in January, but the application period is too short for you to leave this thing when CDFA announces, hey, applications are out. You do not have enough time to figure out, okay, what do I really want to do on my farm? What company do I want to go with? What brand you know, of uh, equipment do I want to use? There is not enough time in the application period to do all of that stuff. And so that should begin now. What do I want to do on my dairy? What's the right project? What helps me with water quality and methane and 
other things on my dairy to modernize and improve and prepare for the future. And then what brand do I want to go with? You know, if you want to go with a separator, there's different companies out there, you know, and I've had uh, dairy producers like two weeks before the deadline, they talk to a salesman from another brand of separator. And then they're, you know, I think I'm going to change uh, the separator I'm going with. And I mean, it makes me want to pull my hair out uh, because we've got bids, we've got, you know, all this that I've already put into the application. So now is the time to figure out, you know, what project do I want? What brand, what equipment, where's it going to go on my dairy? And then when the applications get released, you're ready to hit the ground running. Okay. All the documents are here. We start filling out the documents. We know what we want to do. Uh, it really does waste a lot of time. You know, when we're down the process, we've started the application. We've started putting, you know, numbers and things into the application. And somebody saying, you know, I, I'm going to change this. Um, and so it's a little frustrating. I, I get really, really busy uh, right before uh, that deadline. And, uh, you know, it's nice when things go smoothly and, you know, I get information from the dairyman and that's what it is. And we plug it into the application as opposed to, you know, trying to make last minute changes. So it, it is definitely time to start thinking about this. Um, yeah, maybe you don't put a lot in before the new year, uh, but at least thought, you know, in, as you're, you know, on your dairy and you're thinking, what, what would be the best project for me? Is it a manure separator? Is it vermifiltration um, or something else, composting, whatever works best for you? I think this time, just kind of think it out. Hey, there's funding available. What do I want to do um, during this season? And then in January, start getting bids, start figuring, okay, where is exactly going to go on my dairy? Uh, what size, what model number, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's definitely time to get started thinking about that. And like I said, probably very early January to actually start getting bids and some design on what that's going to be. There you go, guys. The time is now. <laughs> and if you have any questions, as always, reach out to Paul and we'll have his contact information uh, listed in the show notes and also on the website. Okay. Thank you well, very much. Thanks, thanks for joining us today, Paul. We had quite a bit of information there and um, we'll break it all down in the show notes and I'm sure we'll have an update in next week's newsletter as well. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week. Keep up with all the work Western United Dairies is doing by following us on Facebook and Instagram or visiting our website at wudairies.com. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making an improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Thank you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, 
Yosemite Farm Credit, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our guests, please note that the opinions expressed in the Stephen Heard podcast may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors or our sponsors. If you would like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com.